Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from MacBlue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities, healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Welcome to Democracy-ish. I'm Torre. And I'm Danielle Moody. And... Danielle thinks the country's going to hell in a handbasket and she wants to move. Don't do it, girl. Why? Because I think that Costa Rica would be really nice and I don't have to deal with fucking asshole Karens that decide to storm the Capitol building and then have the audacity to ask a judge for the permission to continue on a trip to fucking Mexico that they prepaid for and then get to do it because of whiteness. Wow. That's where I am today. Wow. Wow. Mexico of all places. Um, Yeah, you know, whiteness continues to be a blot on our existence. And, uh, you know, I I, I still feel like, as we kind of discussed this before, and I still feel like this country would not be what it is, whatever it is. It would be far worse without black people in particular standing up and demanding that America live up to its promise. They didn't really mean that shit. And America, and black America continually fought and rebelled and demanded, no, you actually be the America that you claim to be for us also, right? Not just liberty and justice for straight Some. white men, but for <laughs> us too, And the struggle to include us in the American dream has been slow and painful, but that has been the thing that has, uh, that has allowed actually America to emerge. And of course that tension between us and them is a large part of what, uh, American culture, black culture has, has, has flowed out of that has made America so valuable, um, to its citizens and to the rest of the globe you know, America is too important of a global power. Is for, it? It is for us to leave it and abandon it um, and let the QAnon Karen crazies possibly have a chance at at gaining power. So you think that America is a superpower that is worth saving. And I am on the fence about it. We, the world has been without America for four years. 
right? And the world, you know, while it's clumbering, you know, crumbling under the COVID-19 crisis, everyone seems to have managed without us. And so this, it's, this idea not, that we're going to have on. to continue, it's that, what? It's, it's, it's not that America is a superpower worth saving. It is the only real superpower in the world. And without America as a leavening force, you would have chaos in all sorts of realms, which we start to see. Um, I mean, I don't think that like the world survived without America. Like the world starts to unravel without America being able to be a uh, force of cohesion, a force of I don't want to say a force good, of but... hypocrisy. Well, absolutely. You know, we go, we absolutely. go, we go around waving our flags and talking about democracy when, in fact, we don't exercise the shit that we preach everywhere else. In the United States, like we're talking about Myanmar right now and the fact that once again, they're going to be under they're going to be under military control because they've overthrown their government. But we have an entire party that doesn't want to deal with the fucking insurrection that happened three weeks ago and do anything about it. I completely agree. I completely agree with you that there is mounds and mounds of hypocrisy within the notion of America being a global leader. Yet and still, there is value on the global stage in terms of. Uh, war in terms of economy, in terms of the, trying to build a climate consensus, there is there is value to the globe of America being a strong presence that is able to dictate and set the pace in certain things, rather than not having a global uh, superpower, a singular global superpower that can set the set the pace on these sorts of things. I just feel that America has a lot of reckoning to do at home. And the idea that we continue to go out and to look, we, there's a lot of repair that the Biden-Harris team is going to do. They are doing it now. They're doing it through executive orders to try and reinstate some sanity, right, into, into, our, into our global community. But at the end of the day, I just, I feel so icky, Torre. I feel gross by the idea that America somehow is this force when we are literally overflowing with crackpots, right? And crazy. All we've done with this past election, this is how I feel today, is that all we have done is hit pause on the on our descent into fascism. That's all we've done. Because in two years, we have elections that are going to be up and the pendulum is going to swing back and we're going to be right back to where the fuck we started. And the QAnon Karens and all of these people will have more so taken over this party. I, I mean, just in terms of the macro vision of America, we can walk and chew gum. We can be um, a global force trying to push the 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 world in the right direction trying to prevent say russia from moving into europe and taking over trying to prevent syria from you know murdering more of its citizens etc etc um and at the same time be struggling with problems at home just the way you may have a man who is a moral leader outside of his home and he goes home and his daughter's like fuck you i don't really care what you say and he's struggling to help her move in the right direction in her life and you know you can i can have both of those things be true at the same time america does not have to be perfect to be helpful and valuable on the global stage and i will join you in massively criticizing america and noting that we have a massive problem uh and that problem is largely the gop and their their inability to function as a grown-up party that deals with truth and facts and logic in a reasonable way and you know we talked about 
you know, them them being unwilling or unable to repudiate Trump for trying to murder people. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, just listen to that. Though. I know, right? We can't I get know. seventeen Republicans to agree that the president of the United States held a rally that incited violence and led to the deaths and, of seven and, people. And now we have a GOP that refuses to even rebuke. Uh, what's her name? Green. Marjorie, Marjorie Taylor Marjorie Green, Taylor the Green. fucking crackpot. I mean, like darling of the party, the craziest of the crazy, and they refuse to uh, to censure her. So, so the entire rest of the Congress has to do it. But they're refusing to like. Okay, so today the whole of the GOP is meeting on whether or not to strip Congresswoman Liz Cheney of her committee assignments because she went against Trump and said that the election, you know, was won by Biden, which the rest of us in reality agree to. And they're holding the same conversation about whether to remove the crackpot who believes that Judaism strikes down on us from lasers from space. Like, that is who the Republican Party is. It is, we're going to tell you to shut the fuck up because you won't go along with Trump's lies, right, about the election. Or we're going to tell you, hey, girl, you know, maybe stop talking about the lasers. But, you know, I get you on that QAnon shit. Like, it's, it's we're in fucking batshit crazy land. You know, I thought, I mean, we are in batshit crazy land. And that's absolutely true. And I think we can still be a force for good in the rest of the world and the global stage even while our house is a complete mess. And one of the interesting uh, symbolic or metaphoric uh, moments that really underline that for me, um, listening to AOC on IG Live, which is archived on her IG mm, page, mm, mm, mm. talking about what happened to her on 1-6. And it's actually a really interesting and important story because... She describes hearing noises and hiding in the bathroom of her mm-hmm. office. And the door opens and someone is shouting, where is she? Where is she? And the way she's describing it and what we already know about this moment, you would think that she's talking about one of the terrorists. But actually, it's a Capitol Police officer who did not acknowledge himself as a police officer and her and her assistant or her 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 aide were not clear through the whole incident are you here to actually help us or are you gonna harm us you're gonna send us into a trap and this is in large part what black and brown people are dealing with in america that that the institutions that are supposed to help us, the people who are supposed to help us, the the government of the country, even for somebody like AOC, who is part of the government, um, does not know when the government arrives, when the police arrive, whether or not it's a trick or a treat, whether or not they're there to help us or harm us. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's an, it's a fun house. It's, it's, it's a wild situation that we don't know what we're going to get. I mean, and this is the funhouse mirror nature of racism that we don't know what we're going to get. This show is part. From the New Yorker staff writer, Vincent Cunningham, a keenly observed novel of a young black man searching for his place in the world amidst a moment of historic change. 
Great Expectations is about David's 18 months working for the senator's presidential campaign. Along the way, David meets a myriad of people who raise a set of questions, questions of history, art, race, religion, and fatherhood that force David to look at his own life anew and come to terms with his identity as a young black man and father in America. Inspired by the author's experiences working on Obama's 2008 presidential campaign, Cunningham uses a political campaign as his narrative backbone. Great Expectations will be one of the talked about novels of the year, Colin McCann. Great Expectations is available wherever books are sold. Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from Mac Blue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities, healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Pro-Democracy Podcast Coalition. The midterms are coming and it's more important than ever that we protect and fix our elections. We all know that our government is broken. Politicians spend more time working for themselves, their big donors, and their political party instead of for us. We as Americans have had enough of the corruption, partisan bickering, and gridlock. Look, I get that all the nonsense makes you want to tune out, but I'm here to tell you there's reason for hope. Our political system is broken now, but we can fix it. That's why we've partnered with Represent Us, a nonpartisan grassroots organization that has helped notch more than 160 victories to improve our elections and give power back to the voters where it belongs. Right now until November, there are many, many ways you can get involved. Represent Us is working in cities and states to pass good government policies like ranked choice voting. And they're also recruiting folks to help staff the polls. Let's protect our elections now and for generations to come. Visit represent.us slash pod to learn more. That's represent.us slash pod. You know, I think that one, I mean, there were so many points of AOC's uh, IG Live that really struck me. I mean, one, her courage to share with the world that she is a victim of sexual assault yes. um, and that and 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 the events of 1-6 and frankly, the events leading up to 1-6 was uh re-traumatizing the 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 recognition that the republican party is america's abusers yes right that's who that's that's who they are and when she talks about being in an abusive situation one of the things that continue to come up and i talk about this all the time is the level of gaslighting that is a form of abuse the denial that even one six happened or their part in it right I, i'm sitting here and i'm watching her break down in tears as she is recounting what happened in the days leading up to one six and then i'm reminded of the videos of republicans casually sitting and rebuffing you know uh the the pleas to wear a mask 
those people did not seem like they were in the midst of the same insurrection that AOC was in. It seemed to me that when you watch those videos back, they seem a little too fucking calm, as if they knew what was happening, as if they knew what to expect, and they knew that their lives weren't going to be in danger. But their lives were in danger, right? And and the mob would have assassinated any of them just as they would have assassinated AOC or Pelosi or whoever. Um, you know, they were chanting, hang Mike Pence. And I don't think, I, th- I think perhaps, uh, what's her name? Lorena Bobbitt. What's her name? The other one from uh, Bobert? I don't from, know. From Bobert, Colorado. Whatever. The gun the toting ho? Yeah. The two QAnon congresswomen. They probably would have escaped physical harm because they're like, we're one of you. But the rest of them, you know, maybe Hawley and Cruz perhaps, but the rest of them, Republican or Democrat would have been, I mean, like, they're foolish to think that the mob would not have killed one of them. I mean, these people were holding Blue Lives Matter signs and were, in many cases, police officers and murdered one police officer, physically attacked many others. Um, there is a spot of of interesting good news within oh, the police madness. T- police. Please tell us. Within the Please madness. Please tell it us just, something it is, good. Does it seem that 2020 hasn't really ended? Like, we got rid of Trump, but it's still 2020-ish. It seems like 2020, the sequel, right? Yeah, that's right. what that's what, that's what what 2021 is. It's like the evil, the eviler twin has, <laughs> has, like, has come back. If we were in a soap opera dynasty, 2021 would be the eviler twin. It's the eviler twin. twin. Well, I mean, like, Correct. I don't know. 2020 was pretty evil. I don't. I don't know if. I don't know if. It's the, if I don't know if it's the eviler. 2021 started with an insurrection. I know, and right? Twenty five thousand National Guardsmen descending on Washington D.C. six days into the new year. So, what do you think? About 2020 versus 2021. I mean, even I mean, even by now, I mean, 2020, we'd already lost Kobe. We'd already had so much, you know, I mean, like, just so much, so much. Look, we, we, uh, two interesting pieces of buoying, spirit buoying news this week. Um, Nobel Prize Committee, uh, Oh, you know, anybody can be nominated, and 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 there's always some crackpots who are nominated, but not crackpots. People and organizations that actually are deserving. Uh, Black Lives Matter and Stacey Abrams separately have been nominated for Nobel Peace Prizes, and I think especially Black Lives Matter is really. It's really important and it's deserving to have the conversation about them being in the conversation for a Nobel Peace Prize in terms of the effort to create justice for black and brown people in America, to do it systematically in terms of the discussion about policing, about reparations, about education, about so many aspects that are holding black people back. And as well, you know, the media loves to talk about Black Lives Matter's aggressive side and when they shut down a highway or when they march and chant. Uh, But so much of, you know, I spent a year talking to a lot of Black Lives Matter people for, um, for a Rolling Stone story several years ago. And one of the big things that I found was that 
an important part of Black Lives Matter is caring for your spirit and like doing things like taking the time to sit in a public park with a group of black people and just do something that makes you happy or going out to dinner with, you know, your husband or your wife while another member watches your children because that sort of joy and that sort of moment of recharging the spirit is critical to being able to continue to get up and do the work and fight against the oppression. Um, you know, and, and to say nothing of, you know, hanging out with those BLM folks was the first time that I had ever encountered the idea of, 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 of ab abolishing the police, uh, police abolition. And I was immediately like, what, what are you talking about? Like, how could we have a society without police? And I remember the brother was like, can you name a situation where, where the police, the police made something better right where the police showed up and things got better and i was like you know when you put it like that you know like what well, you know i mean it's extremely rare for the police to uh stop an ongoing violent inter uh moment right altercation right they generally that's about three to five percent of what they do they generally show up after something has happened clean up the pieces maybe try to arrest or find the people who did it um they're not real it's not like if we didn't have police force then people would be you know shooting and killing and it would be like the purge um no we would probably have much more justice for black and brown people but i you know i hadn't even encountered that idea it, you know just black lives matter has had already a transformative impact on america and to honor them with a Nobel Peace Prize would be an extraordinary recognition of the work that they have done uh, just to bring life back to the notion of an aggressive civil rights movement in America, which was dormant for most of our lives. Yeah, I, you know, the, when the news broke um, of the announcement of the Nobel Peace Prize, I was incredibly proud of, you know, uh, of Opal and uh, Patrice and uh, Alicia. Ali uh, and Alicia for their work, right? Um, you know, putting yourself, it's, it's, I, I don't think that people understand how difficult it is to advocate for your life and your livelihood on a day and day basis and understand that like, you don't get like this is not a nine to five job fighting for black lives and black liberation and the abolition of injustice against us and the abolition of white supremacy and white supremacist systems like is not a nine to five job. You don't come home and take it off. It is something that you live with day in and day out. And I think that, you know, it, it, it they deserve the honor of what it was that they created, which was the resurgence, which was us once again linking arms and recognize that there is power in our collective being. And I think that too, it is important to understand, you know, Audre Lorde wrote about the fact that, you know, self-care is a radical act. It is a radical act and it is part of the revolution because you will wear yourself out constantly having to scream that your life matters when every indication points to the contrary. And so I, I think that it is incredible and it is beautiful, but at the same time, like you said, you know, anybody can be, can be nominated. Jared Kushner was also nominated for a fucking Nobel peace prize. And I'm just like, white supremacy just don't quit. 
It just really doesn't. And it's and it's wild to me. It's like fucking wild. The sacrifice I, of being in BLM is all that you said and more because a lot of these folks um, are seen by their local police forces as attacking them as uh, the enemy. And so they are routinely harassed by police. They are... You know, they are in, routinely intimidated by police. Um, officers will also do things like arrest people almost strategically so that you've been arrested twice within a three-month period. So now you're really risking, uh, you know, some significant jail time if you're arrested again. So then you're sort of taken off the field in that, like, I can't really protest for the next year because I got to, you know... I gotta, I gotta calm down my record. Like, you know, the, the, these people are trying to create justice, and you know, the notion of a police force that works with them, that trying to protect and serve them, is absurd. Um, we also saw Stacey Abrams. Mm. Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change a brand new podcast from Mac Blue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities, healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize and my god you know if there's any single individual who we can point to as having made a massive indelible difference on 2020 Stacey Abrams you know mm -hmm. and when you think about the the character to lose a gubernatorial race the way that she did to have it stolen from her and instead of pouting or skulking or going off to the private sector she maintains such a faith in the importance of the electoral system and a faith in her own personal power and in her people that she goes into georgia and spends years registering and energizing all these black people so that when we come back around to it in 2020, Georgia's fucking blue. And I mean, just the determination. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, and this is once again, just like you say, 
black people doing shit on their back. She didn't get no resources from the likes of like the DNC and the this, that, and the other thing, because they only put money where they can visibly see that they're going to win. It's why they have just conceded this, the, the red, the red states, the South to Republicans for decades, right? They put no resources in there. The only reason we didn't end up with a pedophile in the Senate was because of black women in Arkansas, right? Like that was it, right? Like, because they're the ones that are scrambling with their money, making sandwiches, knocking on people's doors and doing the fucking most, right? I'm just so like, it just pisses me off. I want to be happy. And I want to celebrate the fact that these extraordinary black women are being recognized for the things that they do. But I'm so tired of having to be set up as like fucking chitty, chitty, bang, bang, like trying to make a dollar out of 15 cents. Like I'm just like fucking over it, right? Like under-resourced, and overlooked. And then it's like, oh, but we gave you this, we gave you this medal. So does that make up for the last 400 years? No, it doesn't. It doesn't fucking make up for it. No, actually, it doesn't, it doesn't make up for it, but it is, it would be an interesting recognition for the, the work, the character, the spirit of these folks. I, I, you know, I know that Stacey Abrams is probably worshiped by a lot of people who listen to the show and I worship her as well. <laughs> I'm sure that there are other people in the world who have done more in terms of sacrifice, in terms of um, the work that they have done, t- who would probably get more votes than her. But I, I wonder if Black Lives Matter, especially mm-hmm. coming off of 2020, would be seen as a serious contender for a Nobel Peace Prize. And you wonder if the judges would have the sense of the impact that they would have on America if they were the to world. give it. Yeah, to, if they were the, to give yeah. it to Black Lives Matter. It wouldn't be some abstract thing. It would be no. a real... And like, look, the Nobel Peace Prize can't tell me anything about Black Lives Matter, right? They're right. not changing your opinion. They're not changing right. our audience's opinion. But, you know, millions of white people who need that legitimizer, who may look at them in a different way, may decide to give them money, may decide to give a, a second listen to some of the things that they're talking about. Um, it, it could have a massive impact on America. Make It Plain covers politics and social justice. From organizers to legislators, it's the conversation you need to get woke. Yeah, you know that I don't give a fuck about changing white people's minds, but I will say that um, that I do that I do that I do still think I, I really don't, but I do still I do feel that on a global level, I mean, white supremacy is not something that we just deal with in the United States. It is a global, it is a global cancer, and I think that the acknowledgement of just the phrase and that being attached to peace, right? That if we were to really believe in and honor black lives, right? That that would go so far as to create peace and to create a reckoning
happening in this like very unjust world where black skin is seen as a threat and it doesn't matter where you are if you travel around the globe you you can you can talk to black people in all types of places and the experience is the same the experience of discrimination of neglect of abuse Right. From our from our government of police, of police abuse, of government abuse. Right. Like we're talking about being, you know, being taxed, but not seeing those dollars returned in our schools, about being taxed, but not seeing those dollars returned in our hospitals and our roads um, and all of these places. So the the, the abuse is apparent. Right. And I think that the, the, the honor is far reaching beyond. America's shores, which is why I think that it would be important. But, you know, again, I think that we, you know, need to move outside of the frame of what like white people seem valuable, see as valuable, because I don't give a fuck. Right. Like, and I don't think that we as black people should necessarily care because that too, that also is just looking at this through the frame of like white supremacy I, and I, what this type of award does. I, I, I see what you're saying and I appreciate and I share the effort to not be white centric and the effort to not think what white people think is what's important i and 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 i and this is not new to me i've been working since i was 17 18 years old on not being white centric and i think i made great strides in that and in my 20s again in my 30s and you know it's it's been an ongoing thought process of like how much more non-white centric can you be right and like you know you think about it all the time and like you white people and black people will say things that are white centric and you must you know recognize it and counter it and like retort it and like you know i i you know i mean i i remember watching the movie precious which i loved and mm. i'm like i know people like her in my family and i know that mm. her struggle to deal with, you know, an horrific family, can't read, HIV, weight, you know, struggling to raise a child. And the movie left her rising just like one degree above where she started. And that was a heartwarming victory that she got 1% better than she had been at the start of the movie. And I was like, this is a great movie. And so many black people in particular seem to have gone in there with their white man glasses and said, oh, my God, what will white people say when they see this overweight black chick running down the street having stolen a bucket of fried chicken? And I'm like, I don't consume my art thinking about what will white people say about it. I don't really give a shit about what white people are going to say about that. I had a good time at the theater and I know that character was authentic. Um, so I don't, I don't, I don't move through the world thinking what will whitey think about X or Y. However, the Du Boisian double consciousness does require that yes. you do be aware. Yes. And, and, yeah. and I, I can love BLM and reject white, conceptions of it and at the same time understand that if white people have a greater appreciation and understanding and acceptance of it and if people who are our allies 
can go into their families and go into their friend groups. And when somebody says, oh, fuck BLM, and they can say, yeah, but, you know, they got a Nobel Peace Prize. Like, that's nothing to sniff at. That gives them more power. And that gives them more legitimacy among them. And that will be valuable for BLM in the long run. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. I, look, I, I think that there is um, ways in which the Nobel Peace Prize awards in general provide legitimacy um, or or just, just more eyeballs. I won't say legitimacy because the movement in and of itself is legitimized by the fact that there are legions of unarmed black people, innocent black people that are dead. And the reason why we know about them is because of the attention that BLM pays to it, right? Like we used to have to hang flags outside that said a man was lynched today, right? And that, 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 that word would not get outside of your community. And through technology and hashtags, they have been able to link us in a common rage, right? About the destruction of our community because of police violence against us. And so, you know, I, I just, it's, it's a, it's always a, it, it is always the internalized struggle of understanding the white supremacist system that we have to navigate, being aware of it, understanding it, knowing the ins and outs of it, but then not succumbing to it, not having that lens when we are looking at ourselves, right? It's like, you have to be able to be that nimble to move in inside and out of it. And I just, I, I want people to be aware, right? That when we, you know, set up our respectability, when we set things up, like, are, is that us? Right. Or is that a reflection of white people or what white people told us about ourselves that we are then once again reflecting out? And I think that that that's just an important question to constantly ask. It's not a one and done, but it's something it's how we unlearn white supremacy on our day to day. No, it it is. It is an important thing to learn. And it's important to spend the time within your own mind to not be white centric and Mm -hmm. to not look at the world through what will white people say and you know while understanding that they do have uh, a majority of the political power so we do need to um corral them over to some of them over to our side in order to make some of the political gains that we need we don't need to move through the world constantly going what will white people say that is self-defeating it is it is it is a lift to the spirit when you are not looking at the world through white-centric glasses, I feel affirmed. I feel more powerful when I reject that white-centric view of things. Um, I feel more mature. Like, like, I, like I've, I've ascended to a higher level of being when I have a black-centric vision of things. Um, it's a really important way. Uh, it's a really important step toward becoming a fully self-actualized black person in America. And like, it takes conscious work because the and impact. Constant. Yeah. yeah. Because the impact of white supremacy and white centrism is constantly raining down on you. I remember I was on MSNBC and we were a few years ago and we were talking about Colin Kaepernick. And the anchor said something about the fans are really mad about Colin Kaepernick. I'm paraphrasing her question, but I was like, 
people, I'm an NFL fan and I'm not mad at all. <laughs> and right, and the question just completely leapt over the notion of like black fans aren't mad at him, just right. immediately centering uh white fans and whiteness and their and white people speak in that language all the time. And black people sometimes speak in that language and it just feels so much better when you reject that way of thinking. Yeah. And I just, I, you know, I, I think that it, it's incumbent upon all of us to identify it. Right. And to call it out because I think that when we ignore those things, right. And we say like, Oh yeah, the fans are like, Oh yeah, it's all, it's all this group. No, we're talking about white people. Right. So like, if you're talking about white people say that you're talking about white, white people. people, like don't, don't say like, Oh, all of us. No, it is not all of us. Right. right. Like America is enraged. America is split. No, White no. people are enraged and white people are split, right? White people are the one that are trying to burn this country to the ground. Black and brown people are the ones that are trying to do everything that we can to secure it. So let's not talk about, let's not, and also let's not talk about our rage as if it's the same, right? right. You want us dead, right? right? And we want to live. Those right. are two different ways of now of like of like navi of like navigating I mean, rage, you know, right? It, it, it's important in that vein to not talk about racism, but to talk about white supremacy, because mm. racism is consistently believed to be like microaggressions that both black and white people can fling at each other. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about white supremacy. I'm talking about white privilege. I'm talking about systemic oppression that comes uh -huh. from the top that has a massive multi-generational impact on the way that we are able to live our mm -hmm. lives and they are able to live their lives. That's what – when I'm talking about racism, that's what I talk about. That's what I mean. So I try not to even use the word racism because the word white supremacy is so mm -hmm. much more accurate. We have to call things what they are. If we if we want to dismantle it, then we have to call things what they are. Language is important. The words that we use matter, right? And what and what we choose to gloss over is what we deny, right? It we, it will not change. And so un until we start to say things like white supremacy, until we start to call things out, right? When we're saying, "Wait a minute. How is this woman asking to go on a trip to Mexico?" right? And being granted that and Khalif Browder stayed in solitary confinement in Rikers under the suspicion of stealing a backpack. And that bitch was on video inside the Capitol building. That's the America that we live in. Right. And so if you don't call those things out and say it for what it is, right, then we never move forward. We never change anything because we're going to ignore it and say like, oh, there's like, oh, but, you know, this was a particular case. No, it's not a particular case. It is all of them. <sighs> Thank you for listening to Democracy-ish. <laughs> I fully agree with everything you just said. I'm Torre. And I'm Danielle Moody. And we're we, hanging on it by a thread, but we'll be back. We'll be back <laughs> next week. I think the country's still going to be here. I'm pretty sure the country's still going to be here. So we'll be mm -hmm. back next week. Tokes. Hang on. <laughs> <laughs> Pray about it. <laughs>